0: are due. So if you have a shoebox sitting at home, it is due on November 13th, next Sunday. Uh, Please make sure that you are able to bring it in. Um, There will be no youth tonight. The teens will be going to get air. They'll be meeting at the Parsonage, uh, not the church, at the Parsonage following the service. And the flat roof repair vote is today. If you are a church member over in the fellowship hall following the service, uh, you'll be able to cast your vote Um, for that. If you would like more information, uh, you can talk to Pastor Bob. Let's open our service with a word of prayer this morning. Gracious God, we are so thankful um, for your love, for how much you care about us. Lord, we're so thankful that we can gather together to glorify you. Lord, we ask this morning that everything that is said and done here praises the holy and most precious name of Jesus, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
1: Greatness of God medley. All right, great job. Uh, Let's take a few moments to stand up, turn around, step out, shake a hand. Welcome those around you to our service this morning.
2: Hymn number 525, 525, My Country, Tis of Thee. My country, tis of Thee, sweet land of liberty, of Thee I sing.
3: several state legislatures have passed controversial religious freedom
4: laws. Ban on gay marriage was overturned in a five- Why
2: one school faces a stiff penalty over-
1: After a court told the state of Oklahoma to remove a monument to the Ten Commandments- The question is,
2: how much will Christian values play into this election?
3: We're on the verge, as Christians, of losing this nation. And the question people have is, Franklin, what can i do
1: there's a sense of helplessness because we don't feel like we could change anything
4: this country used to be a beacon of hope
3: i think all of us have a tendency to feel helpless in the sense that what can one person do what can we do well at this next election vote okay vote. VOTE FOR CANDIDATES THAT STAND FOR BIBLICAL TRUTH AND BIBLICAL PRINCIPLES AND WHO ARE WILLING TO LIVE THEM. MOST ELECTIONS ARE NOT WON BY MILLIONS OF VOTES, THEY'RE WON BY JUST A HANDFUL OF VOTES. AND SO EVERY VOTE IS IMPORTANT. WHAT HE GOT ME ON, HE SAID, WHAT ABOUT OUR LOCAL ELECTIONS? I NEVER HEARD ANYBODY SAY THIS LIKE THIS. THE MAYOR'S RACES, YOU KNOW HOW IMPORTANT THE mayor RACES ARE? WE NEED CHRISTIAN MEN AND WOMEN RUNNING FOR MAYORS. How about city council? We need people to run for city council. County commissioner, school boards. Could you imagine if the majority of the school boards across this state were controlled by evangelical Christians? It would be huge. We need to get Christians engaged. 20 to 30 million Christians did not vote in the last election. Christians did stay home when they could have done something. So many didn't even vote in the last two elections. matter of fact, I was one of them. A step closer to us.
4: Okay.
3: Photographers, are you all set? I've heard the news release that says you're not campaigning or endorsing. No, I have not endorsed uh, any candidates. This rally is about getting people to vote and voting for people across this country at every level. And that's why I I want to see men and women who believe the Bible to be true, uh, to run for office, because we need people that have standards, moral standards. There's no moral standards anymore. My father said in 1976, get involved in the political process. He said, I'd like to challenge every deeply committed American who's qualified to think about running for political office. He said, I don't believe that we as Christians should withdraw. We need Christians at every level. We got to get the more of us to run. Uh, if we'll do that, I believe God will use it and give, it, give us favor. There are many places where Christian men and women could get the vote if they only offer themselves. Listen, every one of you here could run for something and probably win. We need men and women in office who will look to God. The thing that really impacted my life is when he asked us to make a pledge. I'd like to ask you to join me in signing a pledge. This is serious business. We're fighting for our country. Number one, I pledge to honor God at home. I pledge to honor God in public. I pledge to pray faithfully for the United States of America. Most were things you might expect, and people were saying amen and agreeing with him. I pledge to honor God with my vote. And he came to the fifth link, he said, I pledge to engage in my community with God's truth and will prayerfully consider running for office myself if God so leads me. Well, a few less, but good. People were a little nervous about that. And so I'm praying along in my heart and asking the Lord if he really wants me to do that. Uh, I felt like he was tugging at my heart, telling me, that, <clears throat> "Excuse me, that I needed to get involved, and, and that I needed to consider running for the school board." It was like the Lord whispered to me and said, "You need to get back in the game." We need to do something as Christians. He's put us here for a reason.
4: I was really comfortable in my own little niche, and running for office wasn't even a part of my thinking. It's easy
0: to
1: say. You want to see change, and you want to get involved, but actually doing it is what I want my kids to see.
0: I knew that God was leading me to file and run for the Statehouse.
1: I
3: will be pursuing this race for Congress. It's time that we quit being afraid. It's time that we quit backing up. We take a stand. We take a stand for God's truth. This was probably the
4: most moving event I've ever been to.
3: It's
0: time for God's people to stand up.
3: We're not just to take our light and hide it under a bushel. We're to set it up so that
0: the whole world can see it. Franklin came today with a torch, lit us on fire, and said, "Okay, now, let's go and let's burn for our city. This is huge. Today's just the beginning. I couldn't stop taking pictures and videos because I always want to remember this.
4: We need to rise up and not be passive, not be sitting at home.
1: This is one massive group of people saying, we're not going to take things the way they are. We're going to change things together.
4: What impacted me the most was to not stand idly by, I need to be part of the solution.
1: The message was clear. Get involved.
4: Now it's just a wake up call for me that I need to register to vote now. We can't
3: help but be excited. We can't help but raise the flag. We can't help but shout hallelujah all day long. I'm stoked, man. I'm ready. GO HOME AND VOTE AND GET OTHERS TO VOTE. RUN FOR OFFICE. LET'S TAKE THIS NATION BACK. NOW, YOU MAY BE SITTING AT HOME WONDERING, WHAT CAN I DO? FIRST OF ALL, I WANT YOU TO PRAY FOR OUR NATION AND ITS LEADERS. SECOND, I WANT YOU TO VOTE AND BE REGISTERED TO VOTE AND GO OUT AND TAKE YOUR FAMILY AND FRIENDS TO BE SURE YOU VOTE THIS ELECTION. AND THIRD, I WANT YOU TO PRAYERFULLY CONSIDER AT SOME POINT IN THE FUTURE RUNNING FOR OFFICE YOURSELF AND MAKING A DIFFERENCE IN YOUR COMMUNITY FOR ALMIGHTY GOD. I WANT TO GIVE YOU A CHANCE TO SIGN THE SAME PLEDGE THAT PEOPLE ALL ACROSS AMERICA HAVE BEEN SIGNING. I WANT YOU TO GO TO OUR WEBSITE RIGHT NOW. I WANT YOU TO LOOK UP THIS PLEDGE AND I WANT YOU TO READ IT AND I WANT YOU TO SIGN IT. YOU SEE, IT'S A PLEDGE TO GOD AND IT'S A PLEDGE TO COUNTRY. DO IT RIGHT NOW. LISTEN, WE NEED YOUR HELP. THIS NATION NEEDS YOUR HELP. And God is wanting to use you. God bless you. Thank you. We do
1: take a few moments and pray for our nation. Uh, let me mention a few folks that do, uh, do need our prayers at this time. Uh, Dorothea Lebo is going to have knee replacement surgery on November the 21st. Uh, Please write that down. We'll have that on the sheet typed uh, for next week. Uh, Dave Rode, he's able to be with us this morning. Um, He's having hip surgery on November the 30th. So please keep Dave uh, in your prayers. Uh, Good to see Sandy with us this morning. Uh, You're still in therapy when do you get all those pins and stuff out? The 21st of this month. Well, that'll be a, that'll be a good day. Uh, so pray for Sandy as uh, they remove some of those um, things that they put in there that aren't supposed to be there. And uh, Jean Weaver, uh, she did have hip replacement surgery uh, not that long ago. She's at home recovering uh, but has trouble getting comfortable. Um, So, pray for a speedy recovery. Also, Trish Hamaker, as we mentioned before, uh, she was in a car accident with several broken bones in her uh, right leg. She needs another surgery tomorrow, and so pray for her. I believe the surgery is going to be on her ankle, so keep uh, her in prayer. And then, John Strohecker. Uh, John has been, uh, well, he had attended our church uh, in years past, he and his wife, Kathy, uh, John had an ATV accident. Uh, he was out in the mountain, on the side of the uh, mountain, and it rolled over on top of him, uh, breaking a couple of ribs and had some external injuries on his forehead. So uh, pray for John. Let me give you John's address uh, in case you'd like to send him a card. Um, he's at 549 Union Street in Millersburg. 549 Union Street in Millersburg. And I'm sure a card uh, would be greatly appreciated. So, uh, several folks we need to bring uh, before the Lord, as well as uh, this is a big week. This is a big, big week. And uh, we need to bring our nation before the Lord as well. And so, Father, as we pause for a few moments this morning, uh, it's a time in which we pause in your presence. Lord, we know that you have instructed us to pray. Uh, You said that the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and it's effective and it brings about change. Father, we believe that. And so as we look at these folks, Lord, who will be needing surgeries, uh, Dorothea, uh, Dave, uh, Trish, we pray that, Lord, you might guide the hands of the doctors and all would go very well. We pray for Sandy, as she's going to be having these uh, plates and pins removed uh, shortly. Uh, we pray for John as well. Uh, Lord, we pray that these ribs would, would heal, and that he would be, uh, re- be able to return to full strength. Father, we do bring before you uh, this great country in which uh, you have allowed us to live Lord, this is the greatest nation on the planet Earth. And we're thankful that you have given to us so much. You have blessed us richly. You've given us great freedoms. But, Father, as we have heard this morning, and as we read in our newspapers and magazines, Lord, this election is so very important that things could change drastically after Tuesday. And so we pray this morning. Father, we we pray that this church, that that we as the body of Christ, that we might make a point to go out on Tuesday and vote. Father, that we might pray for those, Lord, uh, that are on the ballot. And that, Father, you might give us great wisdom to select that man, that woman, those people of your choice. There's so many different positions that need to be filled so many different people Lord. we see the signs along the road give us great wisdom and insight to choose the right ones the, those of your choice those who lord we believe might uh, make decisions according to your will that might hold to the constitution that might select the correct supreme court justices lord so much is riding on this Tuesday's election. And so we commit all of this to you. Father, we know that you're a sovereign God. We know that you're an omnipotent God, and you are able to do above and beyond what we could imagine or think. Father, we don't know where all this is going, but we pray that you would not allow us to lose the great liberties and freedoms that we enjoy today, that, Father, these might continue. And so we pray, Lord, that you might move among the people of this nation, move among Christians. Lord, help them to take a stand and, and, and vote. And so we pray, Father, that you would help us to do. I know we're just one individual. We're just one church. And yet, Father, so much can be done through us. And so I pray that you might convict us and move us by your Spirit to do what we need to do Um, and so we ask these things according to your perfect will and thank you for Jesus Father we saw the t-shirts on the video the t-shirts that said Jesus Uh, Lord we thank you that you have allowed us to come into a relationship with you through him and we do pray Father that what we do on Tuesday might bring honor and glory to you And so we pray for the service as well. Father, we have an hour before us that uh, we devote to you and pray that you, as you look down upon us, you might be glorified in all that we do and say. You are a great, you are a mighty God. And we thank you that you have revealed yourself to us in all of your power and all of your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
0: Would you stand with us as we continue to worship the Lord this morning? Ezekiel chapter 37 is the the chapter of dry bones, Um, the the chapter where the Lord again turns a hopeless situation into a situation where he breathes life and puts skin and tendons on these bones and the bones become a vast army. Um, You know, we serve a God that makes the impossible possible. Um, a God that there is nothing impossible to Him, And as we sing this song, we teach it to you this morning. Uh, I want you to think about that. Through the eyes of men, it seems there's so much we have lost. As we look down the
4: road where all the prodigals have walked. One by one, whisper lies and let them off the slaves, the slaves. But we know that you are God, yours is the victory. But we know there is more to come that we may not yet see. So with the faith you Step into the valley of the i
1: How many of you really believe that you can stop worrying? How many of you believe that there is a cure for anxiety? What if I told you that the bible has a cure that you really can worry less not with therapy not with medication not with a new fangled diet but that god has given to us a cure I know, it sounds crazy (laughs) to think that God, you know, who wrote this book, with all the cosmic events, such as the creation of the universe, heaven and hell, the rise and fall of kingdoms, the death and resurrection of Jesus, that He should be concerned about our anxiety And yet, God considers your anxiety important. You see, God is transcendent, which means that God is out there somewhere, which means that He's sovereign and He's omnipotent. But the Bible also speaks of God as imminent, which means that He's here, He's right here. And he's in your life, very much involved. And so, yes, he's transcendent, but he's also here. And he's, he really is concerned about the things that concern us. And so, he's concerned when we are anxious. Why do we worry? Well, I suppose there's lots and lots and lots of reasons one is is that life is tough. And bad things really do happen to good people. And we don't know what that next bad thing might be for us. We worry because the future is unknown. We don't know what tomorrow even is going to bring. Let alone a month from now or a year from now. We also worry because we're really not in control. And what I mean by that is the amount of control that we have, it's not sufficient to absolutely protect us from harm. So what is this solution? What is this cure? In Philippians chapter 4, and we've been looking at the book of Philippians now for a few weeks, but in Philippians chapter 4, I want for us to read of God's solution this problem of worry Philippians chapter 4 and we're just going to look at two verses we're going to look at a few others but these we're going to focus on but look at Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 Paul is writing from prison and he says this do not be anxious about anything but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I don't usually give you the outline until the sermon kind of progresses but I thought this morning we're going to break that general rule I want you to see the outline right now and so if you have a little insert and you're filling out all those little words go ahead and do it Uh, but I want you to look at the outline point number one worry about nothing point number two pray about everything and point number three live with peace Pretty simple, but not so easy to do. So let's start. First of all, worry about nothing. In the Old Testament, God has given us the Ten Commandments. He said, don't murder, don't covet, don't steal Do you know that this verse, do not worry or do not be anxious, is a command? This is not a suggestion by God. God is not saying, well, listen, maybe there's some times when it's okay. God says, don't do this. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. Don't have a nervousness about you. Don't be fretful or fearful. Worry comes from a German word. It means to strangle. It means to choke. Jesus, when he gave that parable of the sower and the seed, remember when Jesus said, you know, the sower comes along and he throws the seed on the ground and some falls in this type of soil and some falls in this type of soil and then some falls in good soil? And there was a certain soil where the 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 soil or the sea fell into, and then as it started to grow, the thorns they began to choke it out. You know what worry does? Worry chokes the life out of a person, it chokes the joy out of someone. You so Paul says here in verse 4 of this same chapter, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. You cannot have joy and worry in the same life. They don't coexist. If someone is worrying, they're not going to be a joyful person. If someone is a joyful person, they're not going to be a worrying person. They can't exist together. What is worrying? Worrying is always dwelling on the negative. Taking all that bad stuff and just thinking about it all day long thinking about difficulties and thinking about troubles. One of our problems is is that all we do sometimes through the course of a day is think about bad stuff. Paul goes on to say in the same context in verse 8. Listen what he says. Paul says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Don't dwell on negative things, but think about these things. Think about those things that are positive. Feed your mind with positive thoughts. This is often the place we fail because we are so good. We are so good at seeing the glass as half empty rather than half full. And one of the keys to a peaceful, joyful life is thinking good things, good thoughts, rather than dwelling on the negative. Dwelling on the negative is worry and creates anxiety. So, Paul begins, worry about nothing. All right, we get that. Secondly, pray about everything. Pray about everything. The word everything is is one of these universal terms that means no exceptions. It's like the word always in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Not sometimes, but always rejoice in the Lord. And here we read, worry about nothing but pray about everything. Take everything to the Lord in prayer. Whatever is bothering you, whatever you are facing, whatever is causing emotion or emotional turmoil or distress, whatever keeps you up at night, you take all of those things and you take them to the Lord in prayer. Peter says it this way. He says, cast all of your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. We should not be bashful or timid or shy or ashamed to present our requests before God. That's what it says here. Don't be anxious, but in every situation, pray, bring your petitions, present your requests before God. And then he Adds to that with thanksgiving, with that spirit of of gratitude. You know, one of the things we do when we come before God in prayer is it's always, gimme, gimme, gimme. And sometimes we just need to say, God, thank you, thank you, thank you for all the things that you have already given me. Isn't that true? We always go before God with bad stuff and say, God, fix this or do this for me. Well, that's okay. God says, bring your requests, but do it with a spirit of gratitude. God, I might need this over here, but you know what, God? You have blessed me so many times. And you're even blessing me right now. Even in this bad situation in which I find myself, God, All of these blessings that you have poured out upon me. We have a song that we sing in our hymn books. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged and you're thinking that all is lost, what do you do when you're right there? Count your many blessings and name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Second stanza. Are you ever burdened with a load of care? Does the cross seem heavy you are called to bear? Well, count your many blessings. Every doubt will fly and you will keep singing as the days go by. So, amid the conflict, whether great or small, do not be disheartened. God is over all. Count your many blessings. Angels will attend. Help and comfort give you to your journey's end. And then the refrain... Count your many blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your many blessings, name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. You see, we often think about all of the bad things that happen. We never really sit down and think about all the things that God has done for us. So yes, God says, bring it before me. But Include a spirit of gratitude. Bring it before me, but do it with thanksgiving because there's always that silver lining somewhere. There's always good that's taking place in every situation. So worry about nothing, pray about everything, and live with peace. Is that not the desired goal? The Old Testament word for peace is shalom. Shalom. And it's a state of wholeness. It's a state of harmony. And when it's used as a greeting, and many times uh, uh, Jews will say to, say to one another, shalom. And when it's used as a greeting, It's a wish for outward freedom from disturbance as well as an inward sense of well-being. Shalom. And if you know anything about the Israelites in the Old Testament, they were always uh, facing the enemy on the outside with a lack of peace externally. Shalom. I wish for you outward uh, freedom from outward disturbance but I also wish for you an inward sense of well-being. We come to the New Testament, and we read about peace of God right here, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding. But you know, in the New Testament, there's another peace, and it's a peace with God. The Bible speaks about a peace with God. Because before we have the peace with God, it's impossible to be given the peace of God. The peace of God is found, for example, in Romans chapter 5, where we read these words. Listen to what Paul writes. He says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we can't have peace of God before first we have the peace with God. You see, the Bible says that we're not born with a peace with God. We're actually born at enmity with God. We're hostile toward God. The Bible says uh, there is none righteous, no, not one. uh, No one who seeks and understands God. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all fallen short of what God intends for us to be. So we're hostile toward God. And that peace that we can achieve is that is with God is through faith in Christ. And so as we put our faith and trust in Jesus and His finished work on the cross, as we believe that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin, we put our trust in the cross where we find the forgiveness of sins. The Bible says the hostility is removed. And we then have a peace with God, a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And then once we have this peace with God, we can experience the peace of God, which we read about right here. It's a peace of God which transcends understanding, it's beyond moral comprehension. It's something supernatural. It's something irrational. It's something that God gives us and the world cannot give. It's an internal rest. An internal calmness. And it's not necessarily freedom from turmoil or freedom from conflict outside, but an all-encompassing shalom. It's an inner tranquility at rest even in the midst of trials and tribulations. And that's the desired goal is to replace the worry with the peace that God offers. But God gives us a formula. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. And then receive the peace of God and this peace of God this basis upon which the peace of mind that is given to us is based is based on the fact that when we come to God in prayer that we are coming before a sovereign God who always does what is right who always does for us what is good who through His infinite wisdom, knows exactly what we need. When we come before God in prayer, we come with a boldness and we come with a confidence and we lay our burdens and we cast our cares upon Him saying, God, these now are yours and we let go of them and let God take care of them. We worry about nothing. We pray about everything. And God says, I will give you my peace. Real peace is not the absence of conflict. Real peace is, the, is, is knowing the presence of God in prayer. It's knowing the presence of God in prayer. And then Paul says, and this peace, this peace that is irrational and it makes no sense at all, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The word guard is a military term. It's a military term for a marching century. This marching century who is marching around something that's very, very valuable. Think of a soldier who's circling around something that's very valuable to protect it and to guard it. This peace of God is like that century marching around our minds and our hearts, protecting us from allowing worry to creep in. So what is this solution to worry? What is this cure? We pray. We pray and we cast our cares upon Him. We take all of our troubles and take them before God. We allow God to bear our burdens. And then, what God does is He appoints peace. He appoints peace the duty of marching as this silent sentry around our minds and emotions, calming us within, replacing the anxiety with peace, and replacing worry with a quietness of spirit. Now I know what you're saying, because I say it every time I look at this passage. Is that really true? I mean, does God really mean that? Does He really mean that? Does He really mean that? That I'm not to worry about anything, but instead I'm to bring it before Him And pray about everything. And God is going to give me a peace that makes no sense. It's irrational. In the midst of conflict, in the midst of of trials and tribulations, I can rest. Is that really true? Why would God say this if he didn't mean it? You bet he means it. This is the word of God. And we read elsewhere that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We can do this. You can do this. But it is hard to believe. That's why I began with a question. Do you really believe that you can live a worry-free life? God wouldn't say don't do it if you can't do it. God wouldn't give us a formula if he thought, yeah, this is really impossible for most Christians. You know, let me help us this morning um, because I was helped a great deal. Um, You know, I I know you look at me and you look at this very calm exterior. (laughs) But, you know, I have anxiety. I worry about stuff just like you do. I was telling this Sunday school class, one of the things I do, you know, I'm not suggesting you do this. I am suggesting you do this, but sometimes I go to uh, channel 430 on, on Comcast. It's the Golden Oldies channel. Because we were talking this morning about how music soothes the soul. And those old songs of the 60s, sometimes I can just listen and close my eyes and it just calms me. I don't suggest you do that, but here's, I'm suggesting you do this, what we've talked about. That's not a sure cure. This, God says, is a sure cure, but you have to do it. You, you all know Chuck Swindoll? You old guys, you know who he is. There he is. And, uh, you know, he was a pastor. He's 82 years old now. and uh, He was a pastor, an author, an educator, a radio preacher. And he was one of the guys that I would listen to on radio and watch on TV. And he was always one of those guys that, if I were to describe him, he just enjoyed life, right? He was just jolly. He was just filled with the joy of the Lord always. And when I think of a verse like this one, Rejoice, and again, that's the guy who was an example of that. This is his book. It's a book on, the, on Philippians. It's his commentary on the book of Philippians. And it's entitled, Laugh Again. Now, if you knew him, he was a laugher. He would laugh and he would joke and he was just a great guy. But he said, Laugh Again, and that was his way of saying, we ought to be rejoicing in the Lord. Our life should be filled with joy, which his was, but not always. It was interesting to read these words from his commentary. He says, I know what I'm talking about, believe me. And he had just said that more people are addicted to worry than all other addictions combined. And he says, I know what I'm talking about. There was a time in my own life when worry controlled me. And the tentacles of tension, they choked much of the fun out of my life. I cared too much about what what people thought and said, and so I ran a little scared on a daily basis. And then I wasn't sure about my future either, and I worried about that. And then he speaks about his future, the things he worried about. But then he goes on to say, I gave my anxieties to God. And he took them. And he solved every one of the things I placed in his care. As I relaxed the tension, he, God, he moved in with sovereign grace. And he said it was wonderful. The major, listen, the major turning point, he says, occurred when he did an in-depth study of Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. The same text we just looked at. He said everything turned in his life on this text when he did an in-depth study. He said, I can still vividly remember. It was then that I began to understand God's therapy. Do you realize, he says, that God has a sure cure, solution to worry? Has anyone ever told you that if you perfect the process, you will be able to live a worry-free existence? Yes, you read that correctly. And if you know anything fairly well, if you know me fairly well, he says, you know that I seldom make statements anywhere near that dogmatic. But in this one, I'm confident that if you will follow God's stated procedure, you will free yourself to laugh again. And then he goes down and he mentions the six words, the two first points of the outline. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. And this, he says, is the foundation of God's therapeutic process for all worry warts. He goes on in his book to challenge. And the challenge is this. He says, create a worry list. Sometime today, maybe sometime this week, you go home Take a sheet of paper and write at the top, worry list. And you start to list everything you worry about. Health, job, kids, election. Just list it. And then he says, cross out worry and write in prayer. And every day, every day you take that list of all of those things you worry about. And you take it to the Lord in prayer. Now let me add something. I know as well as you know that at 10 o'clock in the morning, you're going to think about something and you're going to start worrying. 1 o'clock in the afternoon, you're going to start thinking about your job. 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you're going to start thinking about your kids. 8 o'clock at night, you're going to start thinking about your health. And all of a sudden, you're going to start dwelling on these things let me suggest not only pray over that list every day, but the moment Satan brings that into your mind to disturb you with it, at that very moment you bring it to the Lord in prayer. Don't dwell on it. You take that immediately and cast it on God. In the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. See, my prayer is, is that we get to the point when we start doing this, that we start receiving this peace and we say, where did that come from? <laughs> I, I, that just isn't like me. Now, habits, I understand, take 30 days to break or make. My challenge to you this morning is for the next 30 days that you do this. You make your worry list, change it to a prayer list, and every day for 30 days, you pray over that list and you take it to the Lord in prayer. God, I'm bringing this before you and I'm going to let it go. And every time something pops into your mind, 9 o'clock in the morning, you start, God, no, I'm bringing this again before you. I'm not going to worry. I'm taking this to you in prayer. The desired goal is peace. God wouldn't say this to us this morning if He didn't mean it. And for those of you who say this morning, ah, you know what, I've tried so many things in the past. I've even tried this. For the next 30 days, try it. Try it. And see what happens. Commit this challenge to the Lord. Father, we do live in a cruel, evil world. There's so much today in life that really causes anxiety and stress. And, Father, it's, it's just hard. We admit that. But, Father, you're a great big God. And you don't write things in your word if you didn't mean them. And I believe, Lord, you meant for this passage for us to hear right now this morning because I know, I know that our minds are just filled with concerns and cares of the world. And so, Father, I pray that, that we might listen to what you said. Allow your spirit to move us in that direction of prayer. Help us, Lord, to take it to you and cast our cares upon you because we really do know that you care for us. It's because of your great love for us that you want for us to experience your peace. It's not a peace that the world can give. Jesus said that. I'm not giving you a a peace that the world can give. This is a peace that's supernatural and irrational. So, Father... We pray this morning that you would forgive us for not trusting you. Forgive us, Lord, for our worry, our anxiety. It's a lack of trust. So forgive us, first of all. And help us to bring everything, everything. Nothing is too small. Help us to bring everything before the throne of grace. But Father, we desire your peace that others may see the joy, the laughter, that we are living above our circumstances, above everything in life because we know you and have a relationship through Jesus. Father, you're a great and mighty God. I pray for this congregation this morning that you might help us, grant us, Lord, the discipline to be able to pray and experience your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. You have your hymn books. Turn to hymn number 435. And we're going to sing a very, very familiar song. Uh, What a friend we have in Jesus. Please listen to the words. You'll see how these words just bring about the conclusion uh, to this this sermon. Let's stand. 435, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. Father, this is Your Word, and You have spoken. Speak to our hearts. Help us, Lord, to follow Your instructions. Father, we thank You again for Your presence with us. Lord, You are a God who is greatly concerned about each of us. We thank You for the great love which You've shown to us through Jesus Christ.